Hello and welcome to episode 33 of the Randomer Nintendo Podcast. I'm your host today, Angel, joined by Kevin and Jason. Hello. Who is now officially married, which is pretty awesome. Let's go. Indeed. Very, very happy for you, Jason. Congrats Thank again. You. I know I I mean I, I got to give a speech, so it's not like I didn't already tell you congrats or show how much I am very, very happy for you. But Thank you. If you can take a quick minute to just talk about the fact that like it was a really fun wedding and Jason managed to like inject Nintendo and Disney goodness throughout it, which was Indeed. really fun. Not to mention the fact that my brother Elvis, who is an old podcast friend. We literally reference him every episode. I think most people know who <laughs> <Pretty about much. laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Like he, he made um, custom Animal Crossing themed cake toppers of the bride and groom for Jason, which is also awesome. Yeah, uh, that was super cool. It's of our Animal Crossing villagers. Yeah, because um, my now wife and I, uh, that's how we we started dating a few, a few months before pandemic. And that was like that, you know, peak pandemic, April 2020. That's basically how we dated was... We went on Animal Crossing dates, so couldn't do it in person. So, yeah, so that's a little symbolism there. Um, You mentioned your speech. I think it's worth, for the listeners, they'll appreciate this. Angel worked into his speech a joke about how I love Nintendo's financial reports, and it got one of the biggest laughs of the night. So Yeah, it was something on the lines of, like, this is, like, that one, this is like one of the happiest I've seen Jason, you know, big smile on the face. I haven't seen him that happy since, you know, Nintendo released financial reports, which is not, not even an exaggeration, but no, it's really not. <laughs> and on top of the fact that I, yeah, you just reminded me that I also called out the podcast and went back and forth on telling people to check it out. Don't check it out. Just ask Jason. That's true. You dropped, Basically. you, you, uh, you plugged the URL. You said it's at com. You can check it out. Or you cannot, maybe don't, or something like that. So if there's anyone from the wedding that's listening, welcome. This is what you are now in for. Yeah, and I didn't even mention the fact that this was at Houdini's estate, which I didn't even realize was an option for a venue until Neither did this. we, until we, until our wedding planner told us yeah. that. Yeah. So as you can imagine, because this took place like the day before New Year's Eve, we basically, well, I, I don't, I can't speak for both of you guys, but I was essentially partied out the day after. So we had like a New Year's countdown on 7 p.m. And then just <laughs> kind of had a very chill start of the year. So, you know, we're very good into the year overall, I would say, you know, from jumping to New Orleans to this wedding. I mean, Japan, like not too far before that, it's, it was a pretty crazy way to wrap up 2023. Yes, yeah, three. I am just going to real quick, because you, you made a reference to I worked in Nintendo and Disney, so just because I'm very proud of this. You guys who have been listening to the podcast regularly knows, probably noticed I referenced how I was photoshopping things again a couple times over. Um, and the reason I was photoshopping is so my wife and I, that's still weird to say, had this idea of what if instead of tables having numbers, they were rides or destinations from theme parks so we had half the tables be like disneyland attractions haunted mansion space mountain um you know that sort of thing and then the other half we kind of made up what would like some super nintendo world style places be so there's like yoshi's island there was mario kart circuit there was hyrule castle there was um 
Animal Crossing Island, you know, it said Kirby's Dreamland. Such a nice touch. Yeah, I, I'm very proud. And the fact I'm, that there were fast passes, like yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah so each, drinks, themed food. Yep, yeah. yep. But and then the fast passes, we like made the banners for each, or I made the banners for each in Photoshop. You know, Rachel there with me, like kind of creative directing as we went. But um, yeah, we got them printed out at the size of fast passes. Everyone's had their name on it. Uh, I may have misspelled the last name of one of our friends. It happens. Oh, yeah, I forgot about there that. are a hundred. 30 oh, people man. it happens his name was correct in the program which also was themed so we did the program like a disneyland guide map with a map of the houdini estate which is like this for folks who aren't familiar with it which even i, mean, I was familiar with I it, it was like too. this whimsical property with all these little nooks and crannies and randomly so an alien statue like xenomorph statue yeah the xenomorph was the best part yeah we wanted when it was second xenomorph i know was, xenomorph was, was first, first wedding was second i completely understand. that was the most thing i was excited about <laughs> It was like when you yeah. said we're at the Houdini scene, I'm like, screw the wedding. I want to see the xenomorph, dude. Yeah, it, it's so random. Like the the dude who owns this property now. Um, so, and I'm joking, obviously. No, uh, yeah. But this dude who owns the property is like this kind of eccentric billionaire guy who just collects random stuff. So there's like this giant Buddha. There's like a xenomorph statue. There's um, I don't know if you guys saw it, but if you go up to this little Did, gazebo, does he have an there's accent like, because I think we might have met him. Um, his name's Jose. Did you meet someone named Jose? I don't know. We went into the monkey room at one point, and there was a person in there. Oh, that was like. Oh, that someone... was Ralph. That was the property like guy, that caretaker. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. yeah. Who apparently is good friends with Goldie Hawn. In case he made that point like multiple times to us, I'm like, that's cool. Um, but no, yeah, and and I there's another him. one. There's a room called the monkey room. <laughs> like, there's just a room where everything's themed around monkeys. Why? Why not? Like, this place was very whimsical and wacky, and it's it's worth if you ever. For anyone listening, if you're ever in L.A. and you ever have a chance to just go see the Houdini State, you need to be there for like an event, like a wedding. But if you ever have a chance to go, it's, it's just a very cool, weird, whimsical place. Statues of I frogs ate it playing so hard too. Oh, the, yeah. We predicted we that, by the way, it. on the exact spot where you did. Um, the day before, a couple of the guys were there with me um, just hanging out. And we saw some – and on, we were walking along some of the stairs. We're like – Kevin's gonna totally fall on one of these, and then you did. So you're very reliable. <laughs> Here's the thing. <laughs> yes. A- immediately, somebody said nobody slipped there, and I just, I ate it so hard. I wasn't there to witness it, unfortunately, or fortunately. It hurt so bad. But I was off doing photos or something. Um. Yeah. So that was fun. Yeah. Oh, one other wacky, whimsical thing at the Houdini Estate. This is real. The trash cans. And I love how all you guys made a pilgrimage to do photos with this. The trash cans, like the city-issued trash cans, are painted in Louis Vuitton logos by Louis Vuitton. They are official Louis Vuitton trash cans because Kim Kardashian did a photo shoot there. And you have this gorgeous estate with multiple gardens and this old-school house that's kind of like this sort of mansion like creepy like when not creepy but kind of like magical mansion thing and yet they took kim kardashian to the trash cans and did a photo shoot there but they're still there so that's another weird yep. thing that's just there randomly yep i just have random photos of me uh posing next to trash cans yep everyone literally everyone i that like i've talked to since the wedding has a photo with the trash cans <laughs> it's like yeah we had to yeah it's it's like a, you just you just have to yeah i think i even have one from like after the wedding yeah Oh, nice. Oh, yeah, you have a picture. Gotcha. Oh, no, I didn't take the trash can. That'd be, I, we want <laughs> like, a security oh, yeah, parting gift. Yeah. Yeah, we took a whole trash can. 
no, actually, a parting yeah. gift. We had so much cake. We left like half of the leftover cake for the staff there because we just didn't have room for that much cake. Like it would have filled a f- multiple fridges. It was so much leftover cake. So, yeah. Wow, Mr. Generous over here. Yeah. So if anything, we gave them a gift, not the other way around. Yeah. Well, magical time. Great times all around. Can't wait till the next one. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Well, not for uh, me, hopefully. but yeah, someone on our in our friend group's got to be next eventually. Well, maybe you'll do one of those like vow renewals just for the heck I of feel it. Like there's then... a, I feel like one of the people in our group, and I'm thinking of someone specific, might end up getting married before I would need to even think about vow renewals. <laughs> I just have that feeling. I don't know. I... I, I doubt it. I feel like you just might be like, yeah, you know what? Like, just as an activity, it's like, what if we just renew the values for the heck of it? Two years in. Given how much planning and uh, money went into that wedding, I don't think we're doing a vow renewal that quick. You said it was one of the easiest things you've ever planned, and you've planned the podcast. Well, yeah, okay. That's a good no. point. Hmm? <laughs> I said that's a good point. Yeah, no, it was it was not. I mean, it was it, it wasn't bad until we realized it was going to rain, and then in three days we had to basically revamp the entire. It wasn't supposed to have tents originally, and then we tented the whole thing. So that was a seventy-two hours before scramble. It was also kind of raining that day. Mm-hmm. It's also raining in LA right now. Actually, I don't know if it's raining right now. Right now, not but... right now, but it was today. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know why that. I mean, I don't mean to pivot to something dark, but yeah, like. I... I mean, it's no surprise that, you know, you see a lot of accidents on the freeway from time to time, especially around inclement weather. But, yeah, it must have seemed probably one of the worst aftermaths in a while. Thankfully, you know, no people were visible, so I'm hoping they were safe. Just just that the cars were just left there. But one car was basically just completely burnt and flipped and horizontal, or I should say perpendicular to the lanes. So, you know, everyone had to go around that. And behind that car was, like, another car that was totally totaled. A much bigger car, also kind of perpendicular to the lane. So, you know, caused a lot of traffic, but also just, geez, like, I have no idea, like, how fast or what must have happened for that to happen. But, yeah, no real point there. Just, like, things that have just, I don't know, a way to start the year. I guess on a more positive note, I tried to lighten it real quick. There's one thing from the wedding I need to mention for listeners. Oh, yeah. I walked out to the Mario theme for real. That happened. Oh, yeah. How could I forget to mention that? Wasn't even my idea. Beauty and the Beast. Wasn't, yeah, Rachel, Beauty and the Beast. But it wasn't even my idea. It was Rachel's idea. Well, basically, we were on a call with the people that were arranging the music, and I was like, I have no idea what to do. Rachel joked, it's like the Mario theme. And then the people that were arranging the music were like, oh, my God, that'd be so fun to arrange. Yeah, we're going to do that. So they kind of decided for me, but it fit, it made sense. There wouldn't be anything else I'd walk out to. It's not like I'm going to walk out to In the End from Lincoln Park. The lyrics <laughs> don't really fit there. So it oh, doesn't no, even perfect. matter. <laughs> but yeah, no. Anyway, that that's my last thought. I just wanted to share. Well, that's a good thought. Yeah. So, Car yeah. crashes, weddings, and yeah. Um, yeah, the only other thing I was going to mention is that I tried papaya salad for the first time. Um, never had it before. Never really thought of it as an option because when you get Thai food, and I'm sure there are plenty of really great options on the menu, but I guess I never got past the Pat CU because I just enjoyed so much that <laughs> I I don't know, it's hard to pick anything else. And I'm sure the things taste delicious, but I don't know. I mean, do either of you like Thai food and or get anything yeah. that isn't the Pat CU? 
uh, pad thai or yellow curry chicken or oh yellow yeah. curry chicken maybe we should try that or, I think I've had Thai food once but really you don't have you've only had it once I think so yeah interesting there's a it pretty good like... place over here by me I can take you guys to sometime I forgot what it's called but it's 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 uh it's pretty good I think maybe because like my sister is addicted to Thai food like and we just had it so often I just kind of thought of it as just like another alternative to Chinese food because Chinese food is also something that people have I would say like regularly but yeah so I'm kind of surprised to hear that you've only had it once maybe you want to have it again sometime unless it wasn't your cup of tea and that's why you haven't had it often or no no no. I just I just it's never been a thing that I've said oh let's go get Thai food no it's just it's usually whenever I say let's go get something uh you know from the God, God, I don't want to say from the West. From uh, from the West. <laughs> they are technically West, right? What? The, the, yeah. Are we? Are they East? It's We're West. We're West Coast. I'm trying to figure out where you're going with this comment, Kevin. <laughs> Who's West? Thailand? Us? LA? Sure, let's go with that. Okay. Whenever, I, whenever we, <laughs> we say let's go get Asian food, it's usually always like Chinese food. Or sushi, gotcha. or ramen, or curry. Yeah, exactly. It's never... I will say, I did not have papaya salad on my what are we going to talk about in the first episode of 2024 bingo card. That was definitely Yeah, which I will definitely say, if you are not a fan of sour food with a little bit of a kick, you probably won't like papaya salad. But it was good. It was like very, you know, gave me like kind of like a pickle kind of kind of vibes but speak of pickles if we're talking oh, yeah, about random foods speaking yeah, of pickles if you know what i mean no literally we we uh angel and i um last week had f- pickle flights which are not flights of pickle back shots they are literally flights of pickles like we had five different types of pickle in little cups and uh i did not know there could be honey mustard pickles for example but there are. So if you learned about papaya salad, I learned about honey mustard pickles. Yeah, if you're in L.A. and by the farmer's market, go to Kalen and Kalen Pickles. Um, yeah, recommend, like Jason said, the honey mustard. That one was really good. As well as the bread and butter. Yep. I yep. don't know which one I liked more. You've had a ton of them, so you probably... <laughs> so I made the foolish choice. And this is where it becomes good podcast content, I guess, and not just me talking about pickles. Uh, I bought two quarts of pickles, not by – I was like, oh, I like the honey mustard. I like the bread and butter. Uh-huh, I'm going to get some choice. of those. And I assumed when they came in quarts, they'd be full spears, but they weren't. That's why I got the big one. I'm like, oh, it will be like you know a handful of full spear pickles. I just munch on them. Nope, they were sliced, and it's a lot of pickles, way more than four or five spears of each. Uh, I'm literally drowning in pickle juice. And have been for a week. Sounds disgusting. Yeah. Well, it's not, but it definitely need to do it in moderation or else it does get overwhelming. Well, it's more like I just I just personally don't like pickles, but Ah. Well then yes, this would be your nightmare. <laughs> but Well, yeah. I mean I guess on the opposite end of the spectrum, like we had actually Jason and I recently had some pretty sweet, like literally sweet, um, curry. Mm-hmm. And some very nice cookies. Those cookies were actually really good. Like 
Yeah, I guess he scored mace. Out. Um, we'll, we'll talk about the curry in a sec, but just to kind of jump to those cookies, they, these cookie cakes, I guess what I'm going to call them at this point, you know, obviously since Crumble started Sleeping the Nation, that's just started popping up more. Um, I mean, this is the first time I've had Beverly Hills cookies, but the one that I'm pretty sure, did we, we talked about Cookie Plug here, right? No. Maybe? No. Oh, man. Well, so... We were going to go to Crumble. I believe it was closed already. Yeah. And we were already at a mom. And we're like, well, this place looks like a Crumble-like kind of thing. And, yeah, it was very Crumble-like. I guess the main difference is that they don't seem to have a rotating menu. But it's called Cookie Plug. There were a lot of things that I didn't understand right away. I didn't know what Cookie Plug meant. It had to be explained to me. Um, but it's a very urban hip hop kind of. Hold on, we need to explain it to other people too, because at surface level, it doesn't make much Actually, sense. Yeah, take it away, Jason. So, um, How about it. So, sure, yeah, it's like if you're gonna compete with the hot new type of cookie that is crumble, which is as Angel says, swept the nation. We went from zero crumbles to 950 crumbles in only a it's few an, years. It's an Apple Store. That's kind of what you the vibe I get from going into. A yeah, crumble. it's it's an Apple Store for cookies. Uh, but they've blown up. Like, they've exploded in the last few years. They're, like, the hot new. Like, these sort of big cookie cake cookies are, like, the new. You know, like, Froyo went through a thing. And there are all these Froyo shops. And, like, fast casual seafood, like, fish grill type of places went through a thing. And there are all these competing fish grills. And then, you know, poke had its moment. All these different poke places. And now it's time for cookie cake things. Like, cupcakes that are squished down into cookies. So Crumble's leading the charge with that. But there's this competitor named Cookie Plug that was at um, some mall we went to. And to Angel's point about, like, the hip-hop vibe, the entire thing is very, like, I don't know what to call it, like, urban <laughs> hip-hop. I don't know what to call it, but, like, you know, like, the logo's graffiti. They mean Cookie Plug like a plug, like a drug dealer. Like, they're your cookie dealer. They have, like, all the names of the cookies are, like, kind of riffing on this motif so like the the chocolate chips the og and then they have like a purple velvet like a red velvet but it's purple called purple haze and then they have like uh and uh triple chocolates called chocolate xtc as an ecstasy and then they have like what else uh i'm going through their menu right here um they have little bite-sized ones called plug poppers which i didn't even see when we were there um, but they also, when you get your drink, if you want to get a drink with your cookies, they don't just give you a drink in a cup. Oh, no, because they're hip and into, like, hip-hop culture and, like, drugs. You get to get your drink in either a double styrofoam cup, as if it's lean or scissorp, as – I've never sounded so white. Uh, or you get to get in a – and this one I don't understand – baby bottle with the little sucky part that the baby sucks on to drink from yeah little sucky part little sucky part yep that's what's called oh, but yeah so they don't serve drinks in normal cups they serve them either as if you're pretending you're drinking codeine or or dirty spray or whatever you want to call it or they serve it as if you're i guess needing a pacifier on ecstasy but also have liquid behind it i guess it's the strangest theming for a cookie shop but it does distinguish them very well against crumble which is kind of like the de facto cookie cake place these days so it's very weird would you say that's a good summary of the experience yeah yeah i would say so very good very odd but you know what these are they were delicious so you know i'm not going to complain that there are more cookie cakes around me but obviously you have to 
be strong and not spend too much because they are not necessarily cheap. They're definitely like a special occasion kind of thing. And, and you know, you know uh, we 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 mock, we made fun of, we we poke at Cookie Plug here just now, but one. We originally were talking about Beverly Hills Cookies, which is a one-off cookie place, and we got so sidetracked because, two, Cookie Plug works. The fact that we're talking about and in this depth about their branding, about their flavors, like I literally read off their flavor, like about how they serve their drinks. Like clearly this weird gimmick works to some extent because we are now dedicating time to talking about it, and now people know about Cookie Plug who probably wouldn't have otherwise. So it works. Yeah. I you know? don't know if it's a chain or if you can literally just find it in Stonewood it, Mall. It appears to be a chain. It appears to be a chain. Um, no. Stonewood Mall. <laughs> Lakewood, Lakewood. Yeah. Yeah, I was about to say, there's no way Stonewood Mall would get. <laughs> <laughs> I'm we were at a mall, I want to say close to my house, but yeah, it definitely wasn't Stonewood. It, was- it looks like you can get them in California and Texas. So congratulations huh. to two out of 50 states that may be listening to us. Um, oh, and Vegas. And Vegas. Multiple locations in need? And or Newark. is it just like the one? Oh, this is interesting. It's in Newark, but not Newark, New Jersey. Newark, California. Spelled a little differently. So. Oh, so you're not just saying New York weird? No, well, I was saying Newark, first of all, like New Jersey. They're opening many stores in Texas soon, so stay tuned. But yeah, I feel like, like gimmick is the... Gimmick's the thing that you stand out. Like, I I guarantee you, not like this is a weird pivot, but I guarantee you whatever the Switch 2 is when they announce it this year, gimmick is going to be. It's not going to be cookie plug. They're not going to have, like, a, <laughs> a, a, a dirty Sprite-themed Switch. But my point is, like, the gimmick thing, like, that's how people are going to be able to distinguish Switch 2 from Switch in the same way we just distinguished uh, cookie plug from Crumble. It's going to be like this is going to be the year of the gimmick with, I think, everything we encounter starring Cookie Plug. We went on January 1st and it set the tone for the entire year. I think this whole year is just going to be gimmicks. So brace yourself. Gimmicks and AI. Yeah. But yeah, I guess like the only other thing I'll note, um, just to kind of bring it back to that curry I mentioned. Um, I love curry. A lot of people love curry. Curry is good. Japanese curry. I have not had. Indian curry often, so I can't really speak to that. Or that um, Thai curry, the yellow curry that Jason mentioned. But this curry from this place called Chubby Curry, right next to that Beverly Hills cookies, was pretty good. They, My only knock against them is that I felt like we got very little of said curry. I think we like ordered barely. Wrong. Yeah, well, I saw the option to add more curry, but it was like three additional bucks, and it was already... Not the cheapest, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, I was also in Little Tokyo yesterday, and I had curry, and yeah, they gave me way more than was necessary, but it was amazing because I still finished it all. But other than that, <sighs> everything was still pretty good. The only thing that we thought was weird was that Jason's order got like two pieces of chicken for some reason. And yeah, I got double meat, more... and I didn't pay for double meat, so I I won. <laughs> and there were more um, Taylor Swift songs than you would expect from a anime-themed curry establishment. Yeah, again, back to gimmick. Like, we went in, and it's, like, it's themed like a normal curry plate. And then you go in, and, like, they have all these anime figurines lining the walls. And then their drink menu, if anyone follows me on uh, Twitter or threads, their drink menu, as I posted a video of, 
every single photo of every single drink just has a Pikachu in it. Because why not? So there's just Pikachu posing with a beer. Pikachu posing with sake. Pikachu posing with this other sake. Like, it, yeah. So, Is it the same it, Pikachu, though? It's the same Pikachu, yeah. It's a little I've figurine. But they pose him differently. So sometimes he's in the foreground and the drink's behind him. Sometimes he's next to the drink. Sometimes he's a little behind the drink. But again, year of the gimmick. Getting oh, on. more more year of the gimmick. Vision Pro comes out in three weeks. Apple, year of the gimmick. <laughs> like that that's Wait, not a mainstream coming out product. already and you already have it pre-ordered no i do not have it pre-ordered no but my point really? is this is the year of the i'm I'm declaring i don't think we plan to do predictions this episode but i'm declaring 2024 is the year of the gimmick and gimmick's not a negative gimmick just a concept not positive yeah, not negative just, look, just look is. at the r1 the rabbit i mean that's exactly yeah cool gimmick yeah so Yep, Kevin, did you um, do you know what the do you know about the R one? Did you see that? You know what that is? I have. I don't know what I'm supposed to make of it. Me neither. Gimmick. <laughs> it's, yeah. Um, it's a yeah. Toy. For those who for those who don't know, real quick, um, at CES, home of the gimmicks, uh, they announced a virtual assistant. It's a little, it looks like a play date, but it's red. It's from Teenage Engineering, so same you know um, design company that did the play date. Uh, and it's just like a little virtual AI-powered, like, chat GPT-style virtual assistant thing that you talk to, and it can sync up with your phone's apps, presumably Android, not iPhone. And, like, you could say, hey, like, I need to, you know, book an Uber, and it'll be like, great, I'll do it. Or, like, hey, I need to, you know, make a calendar appointment. Oh, well, you have a conflict already. Okay, well, this other time. Great, I'll book yeah, the Uber. The, like, it does all it, it. yeah. Yeah, the big distinction with this one is that it's supposed to carry out like those, you know, like you mentioned, like actually find the Uber and get it all set up. So all you have to do is just hit confirm. But I guess the intriguing part that if true is like, oh, book me this flight that are, you know, cheap tickets, seats in the back for six people to like Europe or something. And it will do all of that supposedly. And all you have to do is just hit confirm on whether you like what it showed or not, or you could tell it to like, actually, can you change this or that or something like that? Yeah. It seems interesting. And for 200 bucks, it's not asking for a lot. It seems like a low barrier of entry, but the part that I'm really curious about is the fact that you could teach it to do certain things. Like there's a user creator side to it, which I'm sure people may end up using in very cool ways that the developers may not have intended which may just make it like a really just fun device to have, which is why I like myself with um, one of our friends actually pre-ordered one just to mess with it, see what it's like. I feel like I'm it, I'm back to when I pre-ordered the play date, had it for a while, and ended up returning it. Well, not returning it. I just sold it out because I just didn't use it enough. I loved it. I loved the design of it. I love the games, but I just could not really... Yeah, another dedicated handheld device just wasn't what I needed or what I have time for. This, at least it has some more productivity uses that I could see myself potentially using for fun. Or maybe, seriously, I don't know. But just I just... it, it, it's, it's kind of fun to be like in a, to mess with like, you know, new tech, so to speak. Or, you know, every phone, everybody's phone might have something like this. You know, Google Assistant or Siri may suddenly get an update with large action models or whatever they call it. Large language. And suddenly it makes this obsolete. Or you just have a version of it that's a little orange device. And it's orange. I mean, yeah. 
That, so. That's the part that I'm sort of confused by, or not confused by. That's the thing holding me back is, well, twofold. Well, I love gadgets and I love gizmos and I love like the concepts of this thing. But like, I don't see, like one, I, I don't talk to things. I, I talk a lot on the podcast, but I don't talk to inanimate objects as much as one would think I might. Like, I don't like using virtual assistant. Like, I had an Alexa that I got from when Mr. Robot gave them away, which was kind of a funny promotion back in, like, 2015. So I've had that forever. Got a HomePod Mini when I, you know, moved into my apartment. I never, ever talk to them. I have a Siri on my watch. The only time Siri fires and when it mishears me thinking I'm talking to it when I'm not. I always would rather type or, you know, quietly do what I need to do. I never talk to these things. So, like, that's, I don't know, like, the rabbit. I don't know what I would do with, like, when would I talk to it? I would rather just quietly do what I need to do. That's thing number one. Thing number two, I don't know, like, how long a standalone device, kind of what you're saying, Angel, because, you know, Google has Bard that they're working on. That's their large language model. And Apple's cooking up something, I'm sure, for Siri. That's going to be a generation behind because Siri's always behind. But, um... I, I don't – like how practical – like how long for these $200 is this thing going to be relevant before it gets swallowed up by your all-in-one device that will have a language model on it? I mean Samsung just announced their Galaxy S24s like last week, and they're baking in a ton of AI into that. Not like large language model to the extent of what Rabbit does, but like all sorts of photo editing and like this thing called Circle with like Circle Search where you just like – and it's powered by Google basically – you you press a button on your phone and you just circle wherever you want on the screen and it'll automatically search what that is and tell you. It could be an image, it could be text, it could be music, anything. It'll just pull it up. Like how long until you just have that next step of what the rabbit's doing and then the rabbit's yeah. obsolete. Like it's it, just – it's such it a like stopgap product. Pr- yeah, because it seems like it could do a lot, pretty much like whatever you could kind of fit your mind to it. But again, it almost also feels like its biggest benefit is also its biggest drawback. Because, you know, their whole pitch is that, you know, just to kind of use Uber as an example, um, like, oh, you got to take out your phone, you got to tap a few times, it's like, a, like maybe five to six taps you needed to go through to take an Uber, versus this device that you just kind of pull out, hold down the button on the side, like a walkie-talkie to talk, and you tell it, in theory, just like, hey, order me an Uber home, and if you want to be more detailed, you can give it more detail. So I should know, based on you know, GPS or whatever, maybe because, you know, it's either connected to your phone or it has this little SIM tray, so you could also have data. It should know where you are. It should know what home means, and it should just get you whatever you want based on your maybe your previous search history or maybe your preference of price and car. Yeah, here's but where it gets time, tricky, though. Or, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, but at the same time, because you have to talk to it, and it don't know if it has a keyboard, that also means that you may not always be in the place where you can use it easily. I imagine that might be something that comes up from time to time, but yeah, like imagine if it's at the end of the night and the bar is closing and you need your Uber home and it's loud and your little rabbit's like, "What? I can't hear you." What? Like that's one thing. But the other thing is, do you remember when Alexa was like when Amazon's really like trying to sell Alexa? Like, yeah, like you can order stuff from Amazon just by telling Alexa, like, "I need paper towels," and Alexa will order you paper towels. No one really did that. They've yet to figure out how to actually monetize Alexa outside of selling Echo devices. Like there's no – like their whole vision for Alexa that spearheaded all this voice command stuff was um, it will get – it will remove friction in purchasing things and people will be more likely to just buy 
because they'll just be like, you know, they'll be cooking and be like, oh, yeah, a mouse saran wrap. Hey, Alexa, get some saran wrap. That's no one happened. No one does that and... because, like, you don't know what what brand of saran wrap, what size of saran wrap. Do you want to look at other sellers? Do you want to look at Amazon? What price? Like, and that's going to be the thing with, like, ordering an Uber by voice. That's going to be a thing with, like, if you try and do a search with AI because, yeah. like, think about how – even if it's exactly. you know you're getting many, many, many times. It's like, yeah, like what if there's surge pricing? What threshold in, of your AI, what threshold do you teach your AI to be okay with your surge? Yes, if the surge price is 17% higher, I'll do it. But if it's 18% higher, you better check Lyft for me first. Like you have to like program all that or teach it all that. And no one really knows that that's what they want to do. Maybe one day they're willing to spend more than another day. Like, I, I don't know. And then the other half of that is like if they start doing like general research for you, like ChatGPT does or whatever. Go Google anything right now, like literally anything, and it takes you a while to find the good result. Google's so flooded with sponsored content with SEO gaming websites that are like, you know, content farms with keyword stuffing. It takes you a while to find like the good result you want. So if you have a chat device that you don't have a screen for and you're just like, hey, I want to find the best deal to Italy. I want to fly to Italy. Is it going to give you the best deal in Italy or is it going to give you one of the top results it finds that's maybe sponsored content and or is considered the best deal because they knew exactly which keywords and meta descriptions to put in to make it seem like the best deal. But it's actually $100 more than the real best deal that if you were really looking with your own eyes, you would have found. Like there's so many yeah. layers of like, I don't know, I'm not – there's a word I'm looking for I can't quite – think of ob obfuscation hurdles? or something no, like not really hurdles but like there's like so many friction points and like so many like obscure reality <laughs> like ob uh, yeah there's a lot of layers yet to overcome that like a human knows to overcome but i don't know if you can teach an ai to overcome in a way that lines up with the values the real person has about what they're looking yeah. for yeah you know and conversely I mean? if you treat it i guess you know, to use a Rick and Morty reference, like the Mr. Meeseeks, Meeseeks, just like keep things simple. Yeah. Or even like, you know, maybe complicate a little. Like something that I'm kind of curious to explore is if I can basically teach it to get me Kirby Cafe reservations. Because the website isn't that complicated. Apparently, I could just like basically walk through the process of what it would take to buy tickets. But and you then could just be good. do that today. You can just make a macro or like an if this, then that type of thing. Yeah, the thing is, like, um, I could basically but tell this it... supposed to make yeah, but this is supposed to make it easier. Yeah, no, I get that. Yeah, yeah, and there's definitely value to AI, yeah, especially because, like, know you know, they does. because because they go on sale like on the tenth before the month you want to go to. So in theory, I could just once I train, I could just say, like, all right, on the tenth at two a.m., make sure to get these tickets as soon as they become available. Whatever reservation you have, first come first serve. You know, get to yeah. And there's and some value do in that. that. Or, and also getting tickets to the Ghibli Park or basically any of the Ghibli stuff, like the museum, those websites are kind of annoying to navigate. So if you can just teach it once and then every time after that, just have it do it for you, that would be amazing. So to play to devil's advocate, how is that different than making a bot that scalpers use to get tickets to things the second they go on sale? This seems more just user to friendly. play. Well, I guess, yeah, maybe. Um, I mean, bots have been around forever. I yeah, that's my point. That's exactly my that. point. Yeah, that's but my point. I but I don't know. They just, I guess I never looked into because they seem too complicated. 
or at least too complicated enough for me to bother with. But, you know, this is also to the point of the presentation. The fact that they're packaging it in this small little orange appealing looking device for whatever reason just makes me more willing to basically create yeah, a box. It has a fun gimmick. Stuff. Which is again not yeah. a bad word. Just and, so, and I do want to clarify there's a to lot them for making me buy a bot. Like a physical yeah. analog bot, I guess. And and credit where it's due, there's a lot of cool stuff AI can do. I'm just devil's advocating a bit because I think the key thing is the idea that we're gonna in the near future have a an AI that's good enough, quote unquote, with the way our internet is currently structured and ad driven and whatnot to be able to have a fully screenless device that you just talk to and it just does exactly what you want exactly as you envision it go it should do it i don't think we're there yet which is why i feel like rabbit as fun as it is is definitely more of a like little gimmicky trinket gadget than like world changing future of how you would engage with computers type of thing you know well we won't have to wait too long to find out because i think they start shipping in march so, yeah, that would be crazy. But like I said, what I think is going to happen is we're going to see some fun, gimmicky ways that people are just going to yeah. use language to teach it. And the cool thing is that if you teach it something, I think you could put that somewhere and other people can get it. So if people find out, like, some kind of weird game or, or just some fun app or commands that, you know, are just handy, but obviously not revolutionary. But, you know, if, they, if it... If I could find any kind of benefit with it, then sure, that's cool. Yeah, no, and it, it will be fun to play with, and there's gonna be some cool stuff that comes out of it. Some like garage like developments, or you know, like it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun device. I just don't think it's gonna be as like world changing. Oh I, yeah, yeah, and I I feel like Vision Pro is gonna fall into a similar bucket where it's ahead of it the curve. Like it's yeah, it's I mean, not. Well, Neither of these yeah, things, the technology is not there yet. I mean, it's there, yeah. but the, the the structure the technology lives in isn't set up in a way to maximize its potential. Be it yeah, how crappy search like, is these days, or how spatial computing yeah. doesn't have the lightweightness it needs. You know, pick your poison of what futuristic thing. It's more gimmick now than like it's a peak at the future. It's not the future yet. Yeah, and ultimately, yeah. while they're trying to. Like, you know, basically combat the app ecosystem. Ultimately, the best version of this is going to end up being an app. And I one, and I remember, like, watching some, just some video discussions and, like, chess was in with the, some of the creators. And they were saying that they could have essentially made this an app. But, you know, people would have probably just ignored it or it wouldn't yep. have gotten as much buzz. So, you know. Oh, 100 percent. This is like a proof of concept of their AI more than anything else. Yeah. So, you, so you know, so maybe like next year there might just be like a rabbit app, and then yeah, you know, then that Although, then it's just going to get swallowed up by the Googles and the yeah. Apple I was going to say I wouldn't be surprised if they're positioning to be bought out and have that technology integrated into some other bigger platform, which is potentially likely if it ends up like being like you know if there is a lot of potential there, someone might be like, hey, screw it, let's just use this and get ahead of whatever we honestly have. if any if there is any virtual assistant that could use a little help uh siri's a little far behind compared i was saying that before compared to the others like if apple's serious like with vision pro and spatial computing and the idea that like there's no easy way to type with vision pro apparently you have to like hunt and, like they have a virtual keyboard but it's like hunt and peck letter by letter with your hand in midair uh if they really want to do like a next gen voice command for what's ultimately 
the Vision Air, shall we say? Like Vision Pro is clearly like a dev kit they're selling. It's like a proof of concept they're selling if they want to do like Vision mainstream, like not the pro version, like something that's lighter, that's like a pair of glasses, not this whole ski goggle thing down the line. They're going to need better, better Siri. And what better way to beef up Siri than to just take an existing AI that's proven to work from a startup and absorb it into Siri. Does Siri Apple itself was ever... bought by someone else. What? Oh, yeah. Okay. There, there. Yeah, I was about to ask, like, does Apple, does Apple like ever do anything that isn't 100% in-house? Like, oh, they do. Different? No, they do like... uh acquisitions all like acquire what's the term they use in silicon Valley for like acquire hire acquire hires or whatever where they like buy a company specifically to bring their talent and their code on board yeah they do that all the time siri was originally here's a fun history lesson so in the 90s the founders of and i actually was saying this to a couple of you guys the other week in the 90s the founders of siri had a different virtual assistant it's called wildfire it was a virtual it was like a secretary you call on your phone so you have a special phone number. Whenever someone calls your number, it's like a souped-up answering machine. And, it, you know, it's like, hi, I'm Wildfire. Uh, Jason isn't available right now, but I can relay a message to him. And then you record your message. And then Wildfire would contact me and be like, uh, you know, hey, you have a call from – or you got a message from blah, blah, blah. Or, hey, blah, blah, blah is on the line. Like before there's caller ID, it would like ask the person to identify themselves. And then it would be the intermediary who calls you and says, hey, I got Angel on the line. Do you want me to patch him through or send in a voicemail? And there's like this whole like virtual assistant thing that lived in your phone number, basically. Um, and my dad actually had it because he loved he contrary to me, he loves voice control, voice command, voice, you know, driven stuff. He he I don't know why, but he loves it. Uh, so he had this and then that got shut down and then they started doing Siri and then Siri got bought by Apple. And Siri is called Siri because the company that Siri was developed out of is Siri. The company was called Siri, and then they got bought, and they named the feature Siri. Um, other things Apple has done. Uh, you know how in the latest iOS, the last couple of years, they've had like up-to-the-minute weather forecasts, like it's going to rain in the next five minutes? That was bought. That was a third-party app. Uh, I forgot what it was called. Dark Cloud? No, not Dark Cloud. Some Dark some Sky. Dark Sky. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then they bought it and they integrated it into the weather app. They buy all. And then the they time. kill Dark Sky. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> but or Shazam's another example. Shazam is owned by Apple now. It was independent. They bought it. They integrated it with Apple Music. They also keep it as a separate. Oh, service. I was wondering why they have it. Yeah. Like integrated now. In yeah. Yeah. It's, it's it's Apple. So they they do this all the time. Yeah. So I would not be surprised if them or Google or Samsung or someone were to buy Rabbit. And honestly, like I was saying, with I, I feel like with Vision Pro, once it gets slimmed down and mainstreamified, uh, this seems like a good candidate to beef up Siri with. So, mm -hmm. who knows? Well, like Jason said, you're the gimmicks. Maybe you're the, gimmicks. the Switch 2 will have AI integrated in it, and that will be... <laughs> Nintendo AI is going to be like what Siri was in like 2008. <laughs> Go like, do you want to start your game? And, you know, that'll be the big feature. You can say, play Mario, and then it'll be like, which Mario? And it'll list back 20 Marios for you to choose and verbally, one by one, and they have to pick. And that'll be the feature. And that'll be it. That'll be all it does. Well, let's move to something happier, um, which is... Was that sad? Kevin can tell us. <laughs> yeah, what, what is this uh, terror in resonance? Oh, God. Uh, I wasn't necessarily ready to talk about this, but... uh. 
Real quick, how did Angel, how did you connect happy with the word terror? Um, they're opposites <laughs> and they're right next to each other. Um, okay. They're okay. not really opposites, but yeah. Okay. But they're, they're there. They're tangential. Okay. okay. Well, anyways, terror and resonance, <laughs> or as the Japanese name is known, Zankyo no Terror, also known as Terror in Tokyo. That was per the Wikipedia. Um, it's this anime that released back in, I believe, 2013? Uh, that's about 12 episodes long. I'm sorry, I, I wrote no notes. I was just going to go off the cuff for this one. Terror and resonance. Also, that's uh, 11 years ago. We're old. Just like 2014, 2014. That's 10 years ago. We're old. <laughs> some, nine, some nine years ago. So not not too bad. Um, yeah, Terror and Resonance. It came out in 2014. And it is directed by the creator. Or I, I believe it's also created by... Um, excuse me. The creator of Cowboy Bebop. Uh, Shiinchiro Watsunabe. I'm sure I mispronounced that. But basically what... What... um. Terran Resonance is it's a show about these two teenagers uh who go by the names of twelve and nine. Twelve and nine or five? I, I don't remember. I, I literally saw this yesterday and there's a reason why I don't remember it necessarily. Um but essentially what it is about it's about these two teenagers who start committing uh terrorism acts in Tokyo. And not only that, but you also follow this uh, one girl who her name is Lisa and she is sort of like mixed in with their plot as they go around to create, uh, you know, these terror terror stacks. I, I guess I'll just spoil it. It's only 11 episodes long. There is a reason why these kids are, I guess, committing these uh, atrocities and you kind of feel for them, but at the same time. There's almost nothing about the series that I found entirely deep or interesting. I think it's way too short. Um, across the 11 episodes, not a lot happens. Uh, I mean, the first episode, there is this sort of like terrorist attack that they do. Um, but aside from that, it kind of like just fizzles out. And not that I want to see a series of people creating uh, these atrocities. But... There's there's never more to it than just that first attack. Um the girl Lisa, she's very important to the to the series for whatever reason, but she almost like does nothing. She's just caught up in this uh in this plot that they have and she doesn't really amount to to anything. There's there's sort of a side story of her living with her like abusive mother, but nothing ever comes out of that at all. I think by the end of the series, it was supposed to be like, oh, she is free to do whatever she wants. But we never really even see her life with her mother or even her school life. Like at the first episode, she's being bullied. But you don't necessarily know why. It's almost like they just made her character and she's like, oh, just FYI, she's now cast. Nobody likes her. And that's it. But we never explore anything on her. As far as the two uh, main terrorist terrorists. You do see their backstory and you do see why they're doing this stuff. But when it's all said and done, it sort of amounts to government's bad. And that's it. Um, I sort of went into it expecting a little bit more just because it is the director of Cowboy Bebop. Who, you know, he's 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 a legend, right? 
yeah, but like I said, it just Carol on Tuesday. Carol on Tuesday, yeah, which uh, takes place in the same universe as uh, Space Dandy, I think, is what Wait, he really? said. I th- I think that's what he said. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, and I I don't know. I was just a little disappointed about it. Um, yeah, it just about the the reason that they're doing the the terrorist attacks is because you know government bad and but it it like there's no deeper meaning to any of it. On top of that, the name Terror and Resonance. Uh, you know, Zankyo no Terror, according to Wikipedia, translates to Terror of the Echo. And maybe it's because I just heard the dub, but that name doesn't amount to really anything, which is weird because in the first episode, the characters, the two terrorists, call up Lisa and they say, they say, do you want to live? If you want to live, you're going to have to be part of part of us and there's no going back. She goes, yeah, I want to live. And then aside from that, they go, okay, uh, you're the resonance that we're picking up from you means is telling us that you are in floor 53 or whatever. I don't know what exactly resonance is supposed to mean, but it just never comes up at all in the rest of the story. Um, huh. I don't know. It was just, considering it's in the title too. Exactly. And like I said, maybe it was just because I was watching the dub, but it was still sort of like, okay, I guess it just, I don't know. I expected a lot from the series and I just didn't get any of it, which was disappointing. Um, this was animated by Mappa, so it looks pretty good and it has a really nice art style that I really like. Um, but aside from that, it just doesn't really amount to anything. It's so, it's so really upsetting, honestly. That, and like I, I'm like, I marathoned it yesterday and I can barely tell you what happened. Um, <laughs> The director of the series, uh, Shinjiro, um, he has another series coming out called Lazarus, which that sounds that show anime sounds really interesting. Um, it's also supposed to be the psychological thriller. But after seeing this, I don't know if I really am excited or care to watch. I'll watch it, but I don't know if I should be as excited as I originally was because. It's another one that he's creating. And, yeah, I don't know. It was just, I was just really disappointed by the series. It was just... I haven't been disappointed in an anime in a long time. And apparently people really, really like the show. I mean, it's your prerogative. You can like it. But I just... I did not care for it one single bit. So... I think we yeah. need to... Uh, we need to go back in time and change that transition into this topic because the happier topic was a show that Ken was extremely disappointed in about terrorism. Happy stuff. <laughs> so, okay, look. <laughs> well, I do see another there. show on here that's like on the other end of the spectrum, I can imagine. Um, Pokemon Concierge, right? I mean, that one is... Yeah, so nope, that's also that. about terrorism. Yeah. But, no, yeah, but did you have any other like closing comments on it or are you good to move into... I, I'm good to move into just, I just... Thing. Yeah, I was so disappointed. That's, that's just, a bummer that you, you know, went I in. just rolled my eyes so many times at the series. Like, okay, whatever. Just just a, a, re, a real bummer that yeah. I didn't like this as much as people really liked it. That is a bummer given the pedigree around it and, yeah, and the general consensus. And you, it just not meshing sucks. Yeah. Just did not work for me on any level. Yikes. Well, 
Hopefully I don't feel that way about Friar and Beyond a Journey's End. Because I am... I've heard that is a... That's a fantastic series, yeah. so... I mean, I'm very much anticipating that one. I... It was recommended to me by a friend when I was in Japan, actually. And at that point, I hadn't heard anything about it. And then since then, it's just become, like, one of those animes that, like, everyone just keeps, like, praising. And now it's like, oh, no. Right. I just oh, I've only heard good things. Like, what the heck? Now it's going to be too hyped. But I do like that it's upfront told that it's not, you know, it's a melancholy, slice of lifey kind of, like, slower show. It's not, like, a super action-packed one. But I guess there is some action, but it's not the focus. But anyway, Pokemon Concierge. Something I did not expect to... Not just be a Netflix exclusive, but to be a thing. But I'm glad it's a thing. It looks cool. Jason, you saw it apparently. I still I did. kind of watch it. I watched it. I so watched I'll live it one afternoon. Yes, oh, it's wow. uh, that short. Right. It's four 20 minute episodes. Also about terrorism. No, uh, it's uh, <laughs> it's uh, yeah. No, it's a really like I don't want to use everyone's favorite buzzword of the last couple of years, but it's a very cozy terrorism. Show. Oh yeah, no terrorism. Yeah, it's. Uh, yeah, no, it's a very cozy little show. Um, it's a cozy show that actually has a little more to it than you would think. Like, it's kind of, on the one hand, a little sh- shallow because there's four 20-minute episodes. But it it also kind of is, like, more geared towards – or not geared towards, but it's something we could appreciate, I think. Because it's – the basic premise is there's this, like, person that's kind of our age who is, like, super stressed with work and, like, overworked. And, like, this millennial that, like, just went through a bad breakup and, like, all this other stuff – and she is like, I'm going to go to his Pokemon Resort and work there just to, like, decompress. And over the course of these four episodes, her kind of very light arc is basically through working with different Pokemon, she kind of ends up in parallel helping herself and learning about herself, if that makes sense. Like, I'm trying to – I'm making it sound more heady than it really is. But basically, like, there's four different episodes. Each episode, she is a staffer at this Pokemon Resort. Where Pokemon trainers are like, mostly Pokemon actually, go to like hang out and vacation essentially. Their trainers will drop them off. And each Pokemon she encounters has some issue that she helps them overcome. So she has like a sidekick Psyduck who uh, kind of comes into his or her own and in, in learning its abilities, its psychic abilities, which kind of feels like a parallel for the main character herself, Haru, learning like what she's good at, like not just having to like, you know, be like, I, I guess to back it up, um, when you, when the show starts, she goes to the resort and she's it's her first day and the, her boss doesn't really tell her what to do. Just like enjoy the resort. Like let me know what you think of the resort or what you would recommend we could do here. And she comes back with like a PowerPoint presentation, all these slide decks and all these like Excel charts. And the boss is just like, no, no, you didn't need to do all that. Like just like – Enjoy the resort and tell me what you like. And, like, so she's kind of through the show learning, like, what her strengths are, not just what she ex- – like, what a boss would expect her to be. And that's kind of, like, what Psyduck is. Or, like, there's a one episode where there's, like, this Magikarp that she – small spoiler for a show that's 20 minutes long. But she helps a Magikarp evolve. It kind of feels like, oh, it's like she's learning how to grow herself. Or, like, there's a shy Pikachu one episode. It's like, you know, she's overcoming her own – issues and shynesses and stuff just like the pikachu is so there's kind of like this little parallel that's sort of through the whole thing but her issues are very much like young adult millennial you know upper age of gen z like 
entering the workforce, being in the workforce, dealing with like relationships. Like it's just interesting that that's kind of the lane that the show's doing its Pokemon stories through versus just like, you know, the Pokemon cartoons with Ash where she's like, I got to be the very best. And it's all like a competitive sport and all that. Like this was kind of a nice alternative take on the world. And as you guys know, because I talked about with Detective Pikachu all the time um, with the movie, I mean, uh, I just love when they do world building for Pokemon. So the fact that there's like this resort and these Pokemon come and hang out and you just like see Pokemon in the background doing things and interacting with one another and stuff like it was just it's just very charming. And uh, what really helps sell it all because the show, again, isn't I make it sound much deeper than it really is. It really isn't that deep. But what really helps like push it, its cuteness and its charm and its coziness is the stop motion animation, which just looks really good. It's by a studio called Dwarf Studios um, from Japan. I believe they have done a similar island-based stop motion anime something or other a few years ago. Um, so this is kind of their second crack at it now, Pokemon themed. Uh, but yeah, the stop motion is really good. All the Pokemon have like these great textures. They look so fuzzy. I just want to like hug them. Um, and yeah, it's just like the art style works really well the kind of light dustings of like things that we deal with as young professionals being what she deals with is kind of a nice, you know, way to tie it in for an older audience like myself. Um, and it's just very cozy. Yeah. I, I wish it was longer though. Cause like right when it kind of like, when you start to sort of pick up on like the first episode or two, it's like, Oh, that was really short. And I ended abruptly. But once you kind of get in the groove of it and start to pick up on kind of those parallels I was describing and stuff, um, it just ends. That's where it ends. You're like, oh, like right as you're getting into the like flow, so to speak, it just comes to an end. And it ends well. Like it has like a nice sort of closing moment, but um, it's just sort of like I wish there were more episodes. But yeah, it's just it's just this fun little like slice of Pokemon, slice of life Pokemon kind of. Um, not much else to say because it's very enjoyable and it looks very good. So there you go. <laughs> so if you need something like to, you know, take a break from terrorism – um, or the gimmicks of the world, you can watch Pokemon Concierge. It literally would take you under two hours from start to finish. Huh. Well, maybe I'll check it out. Nice and cozy. Yeah, nice and cozy. Nice and cozy, like this uh, PAL world? I mean... <laughs> well, yeah. terrorism. Now, now we mix <laughs> terrorism and Pokemon. Yeah, yeah, look at oh, that. that look like at that. Beautiful. Beautiful. Almost poetic. Yeah, because now what if instead of caring for Pokemon in a little resort and making them feel good and making that Pikachu feel more secure about itself, what if you made that Pikachu a gun and had that Pikachu shoot something at another Pikachu that someone else was holding? That's Pal World, basically. So I, been... <laughs> I muted I muted Pal World from my Twitter because I was sick of seeing the discourse. Oh my god, I have never hated Twitter as much as I hate <laughs> Yeah, that's see that's why I want to talk about not even the Not game. the racism, not the anti Semitism, not the xenophobia, not the transphobia. The power world discourse, the power world discourse <laughs> is what finally Dude, it's me. like I mean it's it's going viral. Not just the discourse, but like the game as of right before we recorded, we're recording this very late on Monday night, like ten minutes before we recorded. The developers at Pocket Pal or whatever they're called announced that they have sold 6 million copies in four days. They have made $162 million in four days in just revenue. It's crazy. Um, for point of reference, most of Nintendo's like best or like good, not great, but good sellers on Switch, you know, like the Mario Tennis Aces of the world, the Kirby and Forgotten Lands of the world, maxed out at like under 6 million. And this thing did 6 million in four days. So. 
And it's still going. But yeah, it's um, – I, I haven't played the game, but I did want to talk about that discourse or at least about kind of – so, Kevin, what, what annoyed you about the discourse? Just what, why did you mute? What was, what was it? Everything. <laughs> Where do you stand in the, in the spectrum of reactions to this? Um, I don't know if it's just Twitter itself where just anybody can say anything and just get billions and billions of impressions. I'm not just talking. I this is more of a Twitter rant than it is a, a Power World rant. Fair. So obviously, one of the big things that they're that that a lot of people are talking about is this is clearly a Pokemon ripoff. I don't think anybody's denying that. Yeah. yeah. I absolutely hate seeing people say, um, uh, or like not even just necessarily saying, but oh no, no, yeah, I am saying it. Um. There is no proof that any of this game has been AI generated. Yes. But correct. people are just taking it as gospel. It's so infuriating. Yes. It's so annoying. I understand that you're not happy that this is a ripoff, but you can't just go ahead and say that this is AI generated with absolutely no proof. Yeah. So and I understand that there is and sorry to cut you off, but no, you're like, good. I understand that I understand that, you know, the creators have brought up the use of AI in the past, like on Twitter. I totally understand. I understand why you would make that conclusion. But people saying like, oh, I, it's so hard now in the industry. And maybe maybe Angel will take this a little bit differently because he is a, a developer. But I hate seeing like people sort of virtue signaling to developers on like... Oh, it sucks that like developers are having to go through this AI journey and seeing or like having this discussion about AI and video games and then seeing a really successful game that was built off of AI. It's like no, that's not true. It's it's not yeah. true at all. Like And don't get me wrong, I think this game looks like crap. I'm <laughs> I, I am not going to I know what play. you mean. Yeah. Well, and it, it's interesting. And like I said, that's more of a that's more of a Twitter thing. No, but it, it's interesting though because the discourse around Power World, um, and and it's very like there's definitely an element of like what you're saying about like oh those poor like I feel like gaming and like the gamers quote unquote on Twitter in general are very like oh layoffs are bad and oh like you know this that next thing and then they turn around and go oh but I bought Power World that you know I'm one of six million people that bought Power World and you know they're kind of lifting the rigs from Pokemon but it's cool because like the game's fun so there there's that virtual virtue signaling up until it's not like they care until they don't type of thing which is part of the discourse as well even if it's not AI like the fact that it's kind of a rip off it is funny that people are like oh like the livelihoods and then meanwhile I'm going to go play this thing that like just ripped things off but to your point yes people are jumping to con conclusions um so what we know about power is they did something Probably not AI, maybe AI, who knows. They did something that borrows heavily and rips off, arguably, from Pokemon's designs. There are some that look very similar. Someone literally matched up the rigs, the animation rigs, of one of the characters in Power World and someone, one of the Pokemon from, I think, Sword and Shield or Scarlet and Violet or something, and overlaid them, and they are identical. <laughs> and so, and I think Video Game Chronicle or one of those sites, like, interviewed some multiple developers and they're like yeah that's basically impossible to be, impossible to be a coincidence that doesn't mean ai did it 
but clearly there's something happening. But the thing I think I'm hung up on is this whole argument about like, oh, Nintendo should sue. Nintendo needs to act like – or oh, no, they shouldn't sue. Or uh, Everyone involved in this did their due diligence. There is no way that Microsoft promoted this on Game Pass and literally the Xbox Japan account is doing giveaways of this game right now without there being due diligence. There's no way that in the two years since PAL World was announced as Pokemon with Three Guns. Years. Three years. Yeah, 2021, you're right. There's no way that no one at Nintendo and no one at the Pokemon company didn't look at this. There is, I mean, maybe stuff like the animation rigs lining up is like a little more suspect now that that's coming out. But there's no way this game got as far as it got. Somebody think of the poor, somebody think of poor Game Freak. Yeah, please. yeah. And there, But there's like Jesus no Christ. way it got this far without due diligence by all involved. So this argument of like, and to your point about virtual signaling, like this argument of, oh, but like it seems like it's split like this. Oh. The developers, their original work isn't being respected because they're ripping it off. I kind of lean more on that side myself. But there's also the sure. argument of, oh, but like Nintendo's big and Pokemon Company's huge and their games aren't good anymore. So it's okay for them to be ripped off. It's like, why are That's these it. arguments? <laughs> like, it's so stupid. Both sides, both sides of the arguments are terrible. And that's one of the main reasons why I had yeah. to meet the word. I was done seeing this stuff. I think I was just, oh, God, it's so frustrating. For me, what I think is most interesting about this, and I, you probably didn't see my tweet about it because you probably muted because I said Power World. But what's most interesting to me is whatever, wherever this lands, what has happened is there has been a door open or of some sort where a game can lift or borrow or remix or reuse some assets from something else, even if it's just like they took bits and pieces of Pokemon and slapped them together in a different way, they can essentially not be creative. I wouldn't say be creatively bankrupt, but not be creative and be rewarded with now being the fourth most played, consecutively played Switch, uh, Steam game in this platform's history or something like that. Like, it's not like we're, we're, we're at there, whether it's made by AI in the future, whether it's made by hand, whatever. Like, we're at a point where, like, they're getting rewarded for kind of taking the shortcuts. Sure. Whether or not people care about that is what I think the discourse is around. Personally, I'm on the side of it would have been cool if they didn't do that. Like every other monster game, Dragon Quest Monsters, Kokoromon, Nexomon, like there's all these different ones. They all have like their own. Yeah, they're kind of Pokemon, but the, all the monsters kind of have a different look. Like if you look at a Dragon Quest Monster or like a Digimon and a Pokemon, like they have different identities. There's some overlap. There's some similarities, but they 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 have kind of their own artistic lane. This does not. What's interesting here, though, is it does have its own gameplay lane, and I think that's something. You know, I was saying you're the gimmick. The thing that's striking me about Power that's so interesting is apparently it's a pretty decently fun survival crafting base building experience where just there are like Pokemon or pals as they're called here who uh, you can use in your fighting and can be at your base and can, like, do things for you at your base. And, uh, sorry, when when I said that this game looks like crap, I mean visually. I, oh, yeah, As yeah, far sure, as the sure, gameplay sure. goes, I, I have. Yeah, no, I, I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, so, like, the game... So what's funny about it to me is the game itself actually isn't very much like Pokemon and actually apparently has a pretty fun loop. 
and people are enjoying it and it's going viral and people are it's becoming a time suck for a lot of people and that's that's you know for 30 bucks you're getting a good amount of game in there it's just creatively it reminds me a lot of when Genshin Impact came out and everyone's making Breath of the Wild comparisons. Or like when yeah, um, I was gonna bring that up, but yeah, that's yeah, kind of it's like that, but of. it's like the next step down that road. There was a video and the fact that it's that much PS4. more successful, yeah, it's probably becoming a PlayStation. Wait, what was that? It's kind of PlayStation, I, right? Yeah, yeah, I remember someone like there was a video of like someone like breaking a PS4 or something like something in relation to Genshin Impact, but this was like before. Oh, it came for Genshin, out. yeah. And then, of course, you know, it came out and Zombie was like the biggest thing ever. So and and it got and it found its own lane and it's kind of its own identity now. But like, this feels like a couple steps further down the road. And I remember there was like a mini controversy when Vampire Survivor came out that some of the character art was like traced, like the the shape of the characters stuff was like traced to old Castlevania art or something. And obviously, games always are, you know, the Metroidvania genre. It's in the name, Metroidvania, Metroid, Castlevania. All these games are riffing on that concept. And a survival game, you know, this is arguably riffing on Minecraft in some ways. Uh, Power World is. It's arguably riffing on Fortnite in some ways, like the third-person shooter elements. Like, the every game is riffing on something else. It's just we seem to be inching closer to not needing a visual identity that's as unique in order to be successful. And obviously a lot of games, you know, the the days of like Xbox 360 and PS3 where every game was like brown, different shades of brown and it all looked like Gears of War. Like there's that and that's not, you know, that's similar visual identities then with one another. But I mean like some of these creatures are straight up Pokemon, like straight up. And I think the fact that it's doing this well is going to open a whole can of worms for games just kind of lifting assets. But even if it's not literally lifting assets, but just kind of being like... I don't want to say creatively bankrupt. That sounds strong, but basically being creatively bankrupt and getting rewarded with like all tons of success if they have a gameplay loop that's half decent behind it. So, and this is a tale as old as time. The 2D platformers of the 90s, everyone having a mascot platformer that was some riff on Mario or Sonic. But this one just feels more. Look at all the Smash likes that, exactly. Yeah. Just get partially compared to Smash Brothers just because it was the first one and it's. But I think better the, or worse, the only one that's done it really, really well. I think the next best one that I feel people always talk highly about is uh, Rivals of Ether. That's like one that's just been so technically sound that it has a highly anticipated 3D sequel coming out soon. But even so the distance, yeah. the difference there, and with like everything else we've listed from past examples, including Genshin, is they still were their own things in the game like yes they're smash clones but no one has a plumber in mario not quite mario's colors but not not mario's colors you know well, what i mean like this one has like straight up like yes some of the I, I will break that just like by like two percent because unfortunately well well it was intentional but like rebel sabitha does have like a couple characters that are that borrow moves that are a hundred percent homages ah. or just straight up like like oh yeah this is your fox he has to shine he has like these moves because they wanted but they fox. look different right yeah 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 whole whole stuff uh, but yeah yeah but moves and stuff it's like like oh yeah that like oh yep that's chic oh yep that's Captain Falcon that's but, you know, where they, for me Pal World is crossing <laughs> a threshold they're not doing the oh yeah that's your Eevee. But it's actually this other thing now. It's like, no, 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 that's literally Gigamax Eevee uh, shrunk back down and given a palette swap. 
Like that's when I was, or you know, the animation rigs are saying yeah. like this one's one step further, and that's where I'm kind of like, ooh, this is opening a door for something bad. Because yeah, games borrowing from game, it's no different than any other, you know, a Bug's Life and and ants coming out within months of each other, uh, Shark Tale or, and Finding Nemo. People, like this happens, you know, but they have their own. Key. I'm sure this one was like, oh, that's yeah, born rip off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they all have their own identity, and what's weird to me about Power World. Whether or not it was made with AI, whether or not it was, you know, whatever, I think people are getting caught up in, in like, oh, well, how did it rip it off? It's like, no, the, the, the issue is they didn't – they just wholesale took the, the like, visual identity and just, like, mimicked it. That's where I'm kind of like – and I mean, like, really just took it. Like, like you can spot identical. You can see one piece of a Pokemon on another po- – You could, like, we were watching a video for it the other day, Angel, and there were, like, multiple things. We're like, oh, that's that Pokemon, like, to a T. Like it's just it, that's where. So it is it me. is it literally just that that aspect that that there are some that what are Poke Pals or whatever you want to call them that <laughs> look exactly like from the from, Pokemon for I mean that that's the, the game freak because I don't think anybody had an issue when Ten Ten came out, but even with Ten Ten they kind of had like they did something a little different with the art they almost looked more like the Bubble Bubble dinosaurs in style yeah, if that well, makes sense a little more, sure more stylized the sure, that's what I'm saying. Were, it's literally yeah. just that they look like. I think it's that. It's not, it's not I that think they look like. Look look some like of them, them have like straight up. They look like assets that were just. Sure, sure. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Asset that, that's what I'm saying. Is yeah. it? Is it some that that? Yeah, these are just that. That's my understanding. That that's that where I stand swaps, on it being pal- pal- swaps. Yeah, that's at least my perspective on it. Is that's where the problem is? Um, I think that's where a lot of the like plagiarism accusations come from because gameplay wise, it's very sure. different from Pokemon. If anything is closer to Legends, like Pokemon Legends Arceus than anything else, and even then, this goes in directions that arguably Arceus could have gone in and should have gone in. Like, there's some cool stuff gameplay-wise I'm sure they're doing here. Like, there's a lot of survival yeah, game aspects Trainers that guns. could be cool in Pokemon, but they're just straight-up asset swaps and swipes. And that's where... And that's where, like, people being like, oh, what well, was made with AI? It's like, I don't think the issue is the AI, guys. Even if it was made with AI, which there's no... Like you said, Kevin, there's no concrete proof. Two years ago, the CEO was like, look how easy it is to make fake Pokemon with AI. That's a real thing that happened, but that doesn't mean this was made with AI. But... What they did is no different, ultimately, than telling AI, here, take some Pokemon and mix and match them together using existing assets. That's, whether it's by hand or by AI or what, that's ultimately what they did here. And I think that's where the issue lies. And that's where it's selling 6 million copies and blowing up and seemingly finding a path through the legal, you know, like they kind of weave through all the legal situations and were able to release this thing when I was saying, you know, they did the due diligence and clearly it's okay enough to be out there on steam and xbox and being promoted by xbox and that sort of thing like now that that path has been forged others will follow with other asset borrowing products and i suspect that's gonna it's gonna be rough it's gonna be like how mobile games sometimes feel like very cheap knockoffs and usually get pulled from their app stores or whatever like this we're gonna be hitting that in the next few years and ai is probably gonna assist that because it's gonna make it really easy to do that but um it's gonna be rough if you're looking for like not ripoffs, so yeah, that's kind of where I stand on it. But it's very interesting because this is you know how this unfolds is probably gonna be like the textbook case of how this sort of thing's gonna go for the next however many years in gaming. Like this is the start of something. <laughs> exactly, because literally it's a survival game like so many others. They just did the Pokemon gimmick, and now here we are. Yeah. Yeah. So, but anyway, that's my thoughts on power. I, it's just very interesting. Like, 
it's it's new terrain for gaming. So we'll see where it goes. But yeah, no one's gonna show up about it, Kevin, so you're probably smart to mute it. <laughs> this is gonna be a discourse for a couple of weeks for sure. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm I was done I was done on both sides, both sides arguing. Yeah. Terrible. Just I will say, credit where it's due to these developers. They navigated those legal waters perfectly to get it where it is right now. Like, you know, they 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 <laughs> what they found a way. They found a way. They done so, good. I mean, yeah, in their like mind, they off. made a bunch of money with probably less effort. So from their perspective, they did great. I don't know if that's great for players or great for the industry, but they, for themselves, nailed it. Yeah. Well, that was Power World. You heard it here. Um, 25th. It's been <laughs> 200, 2,500,000. You've heard yeah. it here last. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows if they'll... Well, I'm curious to follow the story and see where this is like a month or two months from now. If, you know, the player base is going to stay at the six million, is it just going to drop off like a rock and people are just going to forget this existed? I think it's going to be somewhat fleeting. I think there's a viral flash in the pan, like, whoa, look at this. It's kind of like Pokemon, but with guns thing. It's, um, it's themes. What was it? It was like, uh, the fourth. It's like their their largest concurrent player. Yeah, their fourth largest in platform history. Last I saw, I thought it, I thought it was the. Most. Is it now largest? I know the most recent count was there were one point seven million concurrent players. I think that I think that that was it. It was yeah. the highest. Which, by the way, again that 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 strikes me as a little. This could just be kind of a, oh, me- no, a right, meme right, of right, a game. Right. It's a, it was a that was like. Third most gameplay ever. Oh, now it's third. Okay, it went up since I last saw the numbers. That's how quickly this is moving. But doesn't that have... This has a very meme quality to it. Both people checking it out in the discourse around it. It feels like everyone... I mean, I did too. Everyone's kind of bandwagon. Like, oh, we got to talk about Power World. Everyone's talking about Power World. Got to check out Power World. Got to stream Power World. Like, got to, you know, put on my Twitch stream. Like, yeah, I think in a few weeks... Not that many people will be talking about Power World. Well, not a few weeks. A few months. It's going to drop off is my guess and we'll be here to not talk about it as well exactly oh one parting thought about it one parting thought about it there is something to be said that nintendo could learn from with this and i kind of alluded to it when i was saying that you know legends could have gone more in this direction don't i hate i hate oh god you're just bringing up a can of worms when people are like Oh, this is uh, you know, Nintendo or Game Freak could learn a thing or two about power. What are they, what are they going to learn that they don't already know? <laughs> well, what, what do you mean say? That? What I was going to say is there is an appetite for. Kevin's about to get mind blown. Watch. I know. No, I was going to say there's an appetite. This this does kind of demonstrate there is an appetite of some degree for survival elements in a monster catching game that they could explore if they want. They don't need to be quite as rigid to what Pokemon was. And Wait, they were starting they to expand it in the last few games. That was a whole yeah, but this goes way further. They could, in theory, this, this is, I think they could take elements of the genre and mix it in better, if this game has any longevity. That's the only thing I was going to say. Hmm. I don't think they should put guns in Pokemon. But, but I mean, it, 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 people are clearly resonating with the, the matchup of monsters and survival. So there, there's something there. Well, Even if short we'll term. see if it really is yeah. that or it's just the fact that 
oh, this looks silly or it's Pokemon-ish. See, that, that's, the, that's the thing that I'm kind of... Because I feel like that's the like, only reason I would try it. Yeah, no, I agree, not, but not, I've not been seeing so many... because of anything that you said, just because of... Yeah, the like, meme, the meme element. But, the, and yeah. yes, but what's interesting is I've seen and so many posts. I've seen so many posts from people being like, yeah, I went to see it because I was just curious what it was all about. And then like four hours later, I was still playing. Like I've seen that a ton on like Reset Era and stuff. So there's something mm. in there. I don't know if it has longevity in terms of how high, you know, 1.7 million players concurrently. Like I don't think that's going to stick around. But there's something there that's beyond just look at the fake Pokemon. I don't know how long that'll last, but there is something there. There is some gameplay hook there that works. So, Speaking of last thing, I did not expect us to talk about Power World for 20 minutes. <laughs> hey, it's still less I, than the internet did. It was three straight days of it since it launched. Yeah, or the four. other day I thought it was going to be a, yeah, most like a five-minute thing, but, well, here we are. But, as you can see, I guess it was still big enough to get us to talk about it for a good while. Well, on that note, um, I guess back to Jason for housekeeping. We made it to the end of the episode. Oh, hi again. You know, one thing Game Freak could learn now, uh, <laughs> um, terrorism, uh, Game Freak can learn terrorism. terrorism. Um, yeah, so that was it for this episode, I guess, right? Is that, that's why I'm doing housekeeping? I don't know why I'm saying this. Okay, so yeah, you can find us on the internet. We are on, uh, all the podcast apps. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, uh, Pandora, TuneIn, um, our YouTube Ram Nintendo at Ram Nintendo, which is also our Twitter handle. Um, individually, we're on the various channels of the internet. I am on Twitter and Threads at JSR7. Kevin is on Twitter at KVN Gomi. I will never call it X, by the way. And uh, Angel is on Instagram at World of Wearos. And I think that does it for housekeeping. Definitely follow those channels, though, because you never know when we're going to have a new episode. In theory, it's every two weeks. In reality, shrug. You never know. <laughs> never know what's going to happen. Yeah. You never know. Well, Jason said enough this episode, so let's have Kevin play it off. Um, don't do terrorism, kids. 